Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. You know, this week, in the past uh, past three weeks, we've been going through uh, a series called The One. And we've been talking primarily about uh, tools that we can add to our lives, ways that we can understand how to do uh, our marriages better. You know, and, and in this church today, in the world today, you know, we've got people that are made up of, of people that have been together for, you know, uh, 10 years. Some people have been together for, for 30 years. Some of you guys have been together even beyond that. Some of us are making preparations and planning or, or thinking of the day one day where we might join our lives uh, together with someone else. Um, and, and, and all of that, as we look through the history uh, of what's going on in the world, and as we look through different studies, we see that there's something like 50% uh, divorce rate right now. And so as, as followers of Christ, man, I don't, think that that's what, I don't think that's what he wants for us. I don't think that's what he wants for our marriages. I don't think that's what success is. And so we've been going through and talking about uh, the different ways that we can kind of add tools to our lives or adjust our lives a little bit with one another uh, to make them uh, successful, to make them, you know, to, to kind of cut some of these things off at the pass and prepare uh, for, for kind of what's ahead. And so the main theory, the main theme that we've come uh, to conclusion of is that when it comes to uh, our culture, our culture today says that uh, we're always on pursuit of the one. Right before you were married, you were trying to find who the one was—the person that was you were destined to the to do the rest of your life with. That person that was going to complete you and make you feel whole again, and and make everything, make every day be happy and birds chirping and and all the wonderful things that comes with love. But the truth is, when we look into the Bible, we see that God says, "Hey, ultimately, when it comes to life, I want to be number one." I want to be the one that you continue to deepen a relationship with and pursue the, the number one priority in your life. And if you'll put me first in all these things, the rest of it, I, I will help work out. And so, so really as we look into what Jesus says and we'll look into what the Word says, when it comes to our spouse, we're not really looking for the one. We're looking for number two. And the reason that is is because honestly, when it comes to our, our, our desires and our wants and that, that feeling of feeling whole and complete, that, that, that bringing of happiness, if we put all of that pressure on our spouse, we're dooming them to fail. Because our spouse is just, is, they're just a human as well. Our spouse or our spouse-to-be, they don't have all the tools necessary to make us feel happy, to, to give us the things that we want to protect us from everything that is out there. But God does. And so if we'll change our thoughts and our mentality a little bit to, to putting God first and let him be number one, well, then when it comes time to, to pursue number two, when it comes to the two coming together into one, man, our lives can be that much more the better. And so uh, we've been going through a, a couple different tools, but I'm going to pray for us first, and then we're going to jump right into it. You guys all right with this? Perfect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing to teach me as your son, to teach us as your children. Uh, God, I pray that through this morning, through this message, that you would continue uh, to teach us uh, as we continue to pursue you. Help us become better spouses. Prepare us for, for the spouse that is, is to come. 
I pray that when it comes to our marriages, when it comes to the things that, that we don't even talk about with other people, when it comes to the tension points, God, I pray that we would open up and let you in and let you have your way and let you adjust us the way that you would want us to be. I know as we continue to choose you, as we continue to put you first, man, the best is still yet to come. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Hey, by the way, I thought Erica, when she was up here with this, isn't this cup cool? This is a cool cup. Anybody want this cup? Nobody. Okay, one person in the back. Here we go. You ready? I'm just kidding. I'm not going to throw it to you. We come find me after service, and I'll, I'll give it to you. But <clears throat> we've been basing this message off of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, in which God's talking about, you know, this, this first marriage, this Adam and Eve coming together and the intent of, of what's supposed to happen. And it says this. It says, this explains why a man leaves. Everyone say leaves. Leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. I had you say that word leaves before because to not, uh, this morning what I really want to talk about is the understanding expectations that we have when it comes to marriage. See, all of us, when we, when we started to think about getting married or as we're starting to think about getting married now uh, or before we got married, we had these expectations, these thoughts and desires and hopes of what we, we thought marriage was going to be. And most of these expectations come from, uh, come from our past. It's, it's, it's either one of these things that we saw something in a past relationship, uh, maybe with our parents or with someone that we respected. We saw something in their relationship that we wanted to be in our next relationship, to be in our marriage, something, a, a quality that we said, this is, what, this is what I want, this is what I expect to happen when I'm married. Or we saw something that we didn't like, and so we geared up in our heads like, this is something I definitely do not want to happen when I get married. But regardless of where we're at in the process, we all come to this, this thought process of when it, we're joining these two lives together that we have expectations, we have desires and hopes that we, we, we hope one day will be met. Expectations about our responsibilities in the household. Expectations about, about chores, right? Um, any of you guys ever heard the term, oh, bless his heart? All the people laughing, you probably grew up in the South a little bit. People that aren't laughing, you might be from the North. Let me explain it to you a little bit. If someone ever says, oh, bless his heart or oh, bless your heart, like if you're telling them a story and they say, oh, bless your heart, like it sounds fun. It sounds like they're saying, you know, we'll pour blessings upon you. We hope that everything's going to work out. But in the South, that's not what it means. In the South, that means you're an idiot. And so I'm going to share a bless your heart moment with you if you'll allow me about expectations I had in my own marriage, getting married. My wife and I have been together for like 11, 12 years, 11 years. Um, and I'll tell you what, the first couple years, they were wonderful. They're still wonderful now. That sounded terrible. Man, I'm going to get in trouble again. The first couple years were actually pretty tough. First couple years of marriage, I don't care who you are. If you say the first couple years of marriage Aren't, aren't a little tough, and you're lying, I'm going to pray for you that God heals you of that lying. Because you trying to bring two, two families together and work out expectations of who's supposed to do what. I came home one day from work, and I walked in the house, and we had a couple dogs. The dogs had made a mess. There was, like, stuff strewn around the house. Dishes were piling up. There was a little bit of, like, dog smell in the air. And I went over to my wife, and I said, 
how come my house isn't clean? And the church said, oh, bless your heart, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And so I, I was so serious. I had expectations. I'm a husband. I come home from work. The house is supposed to be clean. That was dumb. My wife looked at me and said, excuse me? Guys, if they say excuse me, that is code red. That is like, hold on, fellas. She said, why is your house not clean? I said, yeah, why is my house not clean? She said, well, your house isn't clean because your shoes are all over the place. Your underwear can't find its way into the bin where it's supposed to go. You haven't taken the trash out. And the dogs, your dogs, have made a mess of the entire place. She said it in a lot worse tone than what I just told you. And the fear of God was put into my life. And an expectation I had was immediately adjusted for life. We all come into, we all come into this, this marriage, this time together with expectations of what's going to happen with responsibilities and chores in the house. We have expectations of, of, of how we're going to raise children or if we're going to have children or how many children we're going to have. Eric and I, we uh, do marriage counseling and stuff every now and then. We, we actually try to actually uh, direct people to actual counselors that are a lot smarter than we are nowadays. But I'm continually surprised that when we do this pre-marriage counseling, how many people have not talked about whether they're going to have kids, how many kids they're going to have. Who's going to be responsible for what parts of, 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 of parenting? They, each of them have expectations, but at no point have the expectations come together. We have expectations of how we're going to travel and we're going to have adventures, right? Erica, for a decade now, says, she's like, one day Brian's going to take me to England. I told her I'd take her to New England. I did some clam chowder, and she, she didn't think that joke was funny at all. But we've got expectations as we get into this marriage thing. We've got expectations about, about money. Who's going to pay for what and how, how things are going to get paid off and taken care of and who's going to be responsible for the budget. We've got expectations for how we're going to spend time and how much time with our in-laws, right? We have expectations. I'm sure no one in their marriage has, has, has had expectations about sex at all. You know, I, uh, this is probably another bless your heart moment. Um, I had expectations like, man, I'm gonna, we're going to get married. We're going to have, like, when we get to bed at night, it's going to be, like, beautiful. You know, Erica's going to have this, like, lovely whatever thing I bought from a store. She's going to, like, wear something new. Every, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be the best, best time I've ever had in my entire life. And then out, and it turned into Erica comes to bed wearing a, Al Smith for county council shirt. Which, so you know, Al Smith is her dad. So it's like literally in big white letters posted on her shirt is her dad's name. I'm going to tell you, that doesn't do it for me. That ain't it. So that needs to be someone else's secret. It ain't Victoria's secret. I'm going to tell you that. We have expectations. And a lot of times the... This is uncomfortable for you? It's a comfortable shirt. It better be, baby. I'm, it is uncomfortable for me, I'm going to tell you right now. It's tough to like, whew. 
Al, if you're watching, I love you, buddy. You're a great guy, but I want to burn your shirt. <clears throat> true. This is true. These are facts. I'm telling you the truth here from stage. But we all have expectations of how this is supposed to work out. And a lot of times these expectations don't, don't line up. They don't work. And it actually becomes like a tension point in marriages. And so I want to give you guys, um, just, for maybe, just for the next few minutes, a couple of, of, of things I believe will help you through the expectations of the marriage that you're in or what you're going through, through, through expectations of what's to come. Um, these are things I think will help you to navigate and adjust and, and meld maybe these expectations together. So the first thing is this. I believe that you've got to check your expectations. Look at your neighbor say, check your expectation. Check your expectation. You know, I think uh, the world we live in today is pretty, is pretty selfish, pretty self-consumed. It's, it's definitely everything about me. What do I want? These are the things that I need in a marriage. This is what I need to defend in a marriage. This is what's going to make me happy. I think it's, it's, it's really easy for allow our culture to kind of sweep, sweep over us and turn into, like, that's how we are. Like, these are the things, I need, these are my expectations, these are my hopes and dreams and desires for, for marriage. This is what I need to happen. But a lot of times what we've got to do first before we, we work it out with our spouse or our spouse-to-be is we've got to stop and we've got to check our own expectations about our marriages or marriages to come. We've got to stop and think, you know what, is this... Is this the right expectation to have? Is this something? Is this something that God would want in my life? Is this something? Is this how God would approach it in my life? If I'm putting Him number one and He's first, then He should have an effect on this. And so, ultimately, I believe when it comes to our expectations, we've got to see them through a filter of humility. First Peter chapter five verse five. This is from the disciple Peter, who spent many much of his time with Jesus. And so when he's communicating to people, when he's talking to people, he's saying, hey, this is, this is how I saw, I saw Jesus react. This is how, these are the things I, thought, I saw Jesus held uh, of high regard and high value. He says this. This is the, the, the latter part of the, the verse 5. It says, and all of you dress for yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So as you connect with your spouse, as you, as you have these expectations for him or for her, as you're trying to put these lives together and make them one, part of what you got to stop and say first is like, is this, is, this, is this expectation true and good for my life when I see it through a lens of it's not just about me? We've got to look at our expectations and see them through a lens of, of humility first. Is this something that, that, it's, that I'm just being selfish with? Or is this something that's going to help our family continue to grow, help us to grow together? Is this something that's healthy for our relationship, or is this just something that I, that I want? It says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When it comes to your expectations, if you'll see them and, 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 and put them in check through a filter of humility, you have a chance for God's grace to continue to be extended on your life and on your marriage. I'm telling you, that's something, that's something you want. The second thing that you need to do is you need to communicate your expectations. Now, this is a, just a practical thing. Um, there's many times that Eric and I have done counseling, pre-marriage counseling. By the way, if, if you're thinking about getting married, this is for my unmarried folks. If you're thinking about getting married, I'm going to tell you, go seek some pre-marriage counseling. 
And everyone's afraid of that because they're saying, no, Brian, I'm not going to do that because that person's just going to try to talk us out of getting married. It's literally not the case. That is not what pre-marriage counseling is all about. They're not going to pull open and show all of your, your weaknesses and whatever so that the other person can see, like, hey, this is where you're getting into. Or that's, that's not what it's about. It's all about getting tools to help you through for what you're going to go through. But many a times when Eric and I have had these, these conversations with these couples, these things have not been talked about. The expectations about sex in their life, their expectations about children and how many they're going to have, who's going to parent in which way, expectations about money and how it's going to be managed. These are things that just are simply not talked about, and they should be talked about. They should be talked about in marriage. You should talk about through a lens of humility. It's not all about, always about like, hey, wife, or hey, husband, you are not meeting my expectations. But I think we live in a culture that's so caught up in pushing away from what's uncomfortable and pushing away from what's tough that a lot of times we have this expectation in our marriage, and, and because it's difficult to talk about, we, we just don't talk about it. And next thing you know, this thing has created a wedge and separation between us and our spouse. For those of you that are in, in marriage, I want to tell you, like, you should be able to talk about anything and everything. I think open conversation and dialogue about life and, and, and being very uh, intimate when, and clear when it comes to even the things that we're afraid of, the things that are our weaknesses. One of the things that draws Eric and I close is this open conversation and communication with one another. It should be the safest place that I can talk, the safest person I can talk to. This is another reason why we, we guard ourselves so much even when it comes to talking to people of the opposite sex. I love everyone in our church. I'm going to tell you right now, there's never going to be one time that you're going to see me at a coffee shop or anywhere else in a meeting with someone by myself of the opposite sex. I'm not going to do it. That's just not, that's not how I roll. Part of it is is because when it comes to the conversations I'm going to have, Especially when, when it comes to, I'm going to protect the conversation I'm going to have with my wife. I'm not going to open myself up to conversations like that with anybody else. That's some, the, the communication, the intimacy that comes into that communication is something that should be, should be defended. So the things that you have expectations of, when it comes to money, it's tough to talk about money. But you should sit down and you should be talking with your spouse about these expectations. Find the middle ground. Find what is healthy and what is good and what is selfless, what is, what is not just about you, and set that expectation as a family, as one. The last thing you've got to do when it comes to expectations is you've got to be willing to change your expectations. You've got to be willing to change your expectations. You know, um, I think that we live in a world where people really think that that once they get married or if they get married or, or years from now in their marriage that they have the ability to change their spouse. I, I'm going to tell you, I, I don't think that happens at all. When it comes to change that we have in our lives, I think there's, there's only two, two people that can make me change. One of them is myself. I can decide on my own to change something about me. The second person I believe is, is God. I love my wife. I respect my wife. 
But if there was something that she wanted me to change, man, I could be stubborn and I could say, no, I'm not. I'm just going to do what I want to do. As a good husband now, I, I understand I listen to my wife. And I understand that part of us doing life together is, as, as the Bible says, the two will become one. There's a responsibility I have to continue to listen to her and to listen to what she wants to see happen in our lives. And as we continually come together and connect and grow deeper with each other, we see our lives really do become one. And our expectations of our marriage start to mold from this individualistic mindset of what she needs and what I need and what she hopes for and what I hope for comes together and we see we start setting expectations for us as one unit. Peter continues on and he says this in verse 6. He says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Peter says if, if you'll take the action step and continue to live in humility step away from just, just what you want. He says, at the right time, God will show up in a big way. You know, when it comes to this whole idea of finding the one, if we put that responsibility on our spouse, we're dooming them for failure. We're dooming us for failure. And for many of us, we just end up taking that to our next relationship and our next relationship. But ultimately, if we'll focus our hearts and our minds on, on pursuing the one which is God, and if our number two will come alongside us and pursue him as well, there's this beautiful thing that happens that as we put God first and as we continue to pursue each other, together as one, we become the one. We become the one family, the one unit together, the way that God intended I love the part that Jesus says as he references, I think it's in the book of Matthew, he says, he says after he says the, two, the father or the son will leave his father and mother and will be joined to his wife and the two will be united into one. He says this, he says, let God, he says, let no man separate what God has joined together. As we pursue God first, he wants to see our marriages become close-knit and tight and as one. That's what he hopes to see. He wants to see us succeed in our marriages. The very next verse, after he's talking about this, about humility, he says this in verse 7, he says, cast all your anxiety, some verses say, all your cares on him because he cares for you. Cast all, I think, I think one of these things that we could translate into, or we can transfer in this word is, is our expectations of, of what we want in our marriages. That, that stress that we have of like, how do we create a, a good home? How do we have a good marriage? How do I be a good husband? How does Erica be a good wife? I think as we worry and, and wrestle with these things, ultimately if we put God first and we put, we have an opportunity to say, God, I'm going to let you worry about this. You just continue to change me. The last part of that verse says, because he cares for you. 
I was talking about Eric, I was talking with Erica this past week as we were preparing for the message, and she was saying, you know, Brian, as you as you look through what Jesus says about God and how He pursues us, it, it kind of comes down to that in God's eyes, we, we're the one. We're the one that he wants to pursue and he wants to have a relationship and be connected to the most. I started to think about it. I'm like, man, in, in, in Christianity and in the church, you know, we, we talk about how God loves us so much. You know, the, the, the most uh, referenced scripture is John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. But we look at that verse, and some of us think, like, well, God so loved the world. He wasn't talking about just me. He was talking about the mass. And as a father, I'm going to tell you, like, if, if someone came to me and said, Brian, you've got to give up your son to save one person. Like, I, I, don't, I don't think I could do that. Like, in spite of if it's right or wrong, I'm going to tell you, like, I, as a, I'm going to just be honest with you. As a human and as a father, I love my son so much. That's not, I, don't just, I just don't think it's going to happen. But if we think of it as a whole, it's like, okay, well then, I mean, it makes a little sense. But I think as we see Jesus continue to communicate, he, he doesn't say that's the mentality that God has. It's not that God loves us so much as a whole. He loves the church so much as a whole. It's that he loves you individually, the one. Jesus uses this great story in the New Testament about, about how the good shepherd will leave the 99 sheep in the open country and will risk life and limb to pursue the one that is lost. I think the same is true for how God continues to want to pursue us. How he wants to pursue a, a deeper relationship with you. Marriage is great. The things that come with marriage and doing life together is great. It's not easy, but it's, it's great. But it's even greater if you put God first in it. Because if, if, you'll, if you'll make him number one, then, then I think the best and everything we do is still yet to come. I have hope that, that the, the best days of Erica and I and our kids are not behind us, but they're ahead. Because I continue every day to wake up and choose, God, I'm putting you, I'm putting you first in it. You tell me what you want to happen, and that's what we're going to do. And that's, that's what my challenge is for you today. As a whole, as a follower of, of Christ, I, I hope that through this series of messages that you've understood that that culture says, pursue the one, and I'm going to say pursue the one as well, but understand the one is not the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. The one is the person that you're going to find your way into eternity with. It's God Almighty. If you will pursue the one, that relationship with number two, that's going to be all the better. As a pastor, I hope you know I'm praying for your marriages, if there's anything I can do to help, I want you to let me know. You can email me, you can call me, or reach out to me on Facebook. I want to continue to tell you that 
when it comes to counseling, it's a fantastic tool to strengthen your marriage. It's a tool that I use. Not because my marriage is weak or my marriage is struggling, but because I'm smart enough to understand that when it comes to the tough parts of marriage, when it comes to the things that we all have to deal with, there's wisdom and understanding that people have already gone through it. And there's a better way than having to figure out the wheel on my own. Counseling is key. And all along, don't be afraid to communicate with your spouse. It's the one person you should be able to. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for how you blessed us. God, I thank you for the spouse you've blessed us with. I know for some of us, we might be going through a tough time right now. It doesn't feel like a blessing. But God, I pray that in the struggle, we would adjust and we would restructure and we would put you first. And I pray that as we would do that, we would start to see things start to adjust and fall away, move in the right direction. God, I pray for the spouses that we will have one day. For those of us that are not married, I pray that you would continue to prep our hearts and prepare us for them all while we pursue you as one. We thank you so much for what you've done, what you've brought us out of, and what you continue to bring us into. God, as for me and my house, we're going to put you as number one. As our church, we're going to put you as number one. And I pray that you would have your way. I believe the best is still yet to come. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.